0: We are in Titus chapter 2 this morning, and for a little bit of context, we're going to go back to chapter 1 and we're going to read verse 10 and on. Will you stand with me? Let me read. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, <clears throat> whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. But as for you... Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good obedient to their own husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed likewise exhort the young men to be sober minded in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity reverence incorruptibility sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one despise you so lord we believe this is your word we believe that it's so profitable for us today and uh lord we just cry out that you would change us and make us to be like you we know that this uh is all your heart for us even in 2018 going on to 2019 and so would you shape our church uh to be like your word in jesus name we pray amen amen Amen. go ahead and be seated The main idea of this text is that the gospel calls those within the church to pursue God's assignments of godliness, whether you are young or old, male or female. Uh, as I was praying over the, the text this week, uh, we kind of hopped over uh, chapter one, verses five through nine. Uh, uh, a text speaking of qualifications for elders or pastors. Uh, we hopped over that because we did in-depth look at that in our First Timothy chapter three teachings, and we paralleled Titus chapter two. Uh, and so, in an effort to not be too redundant uh, in our time and space that we have, uh, if you'd like to hear more about just the call and qualifications for pastors and elders, go listen to that teaching online. It's available. And then the end of chapter one really helps set the context for uh, what's going on with Titus on the island of Crete there in the Mediterranean Sea. Titus has a tough task ahead. He's got a task of going into every city as a leader uh, with, with authority given by the Apostle Paul and to appoint elders in every city. And those elders have a task at hand. And they're going to be opposing a very wicked, raunchy culture of the Cretans. A group of people that their own prophet said of them, they're always liars. They're just evil gluttons. I mean, and and Paul says, you know what? That guy had it right, describing his own people. It's a rough ministry group, a rough crowd. And yet when you study the culture so much like the United States of America in 2019, And so he has this task, just like Timothy did in 2 Timothy, to toe the line and to keep the thing that was entrusted to him, which is the word of God. And so as I was praying about the text for coming right off the heels of Christmas, going into the new year, Lord, what would you have? He said, hey, tackle, I believe he said, tackle chapter 2 for the church. Have it be something of a New Year's resolution for the body. New Year's resolutions can so just be such taskmasters to us you know as we get ready for the next year we have these great aspirations i'm totally gonna do this or that i'm gonna hunker down i'm gonna make this happen in my life and it's just the epitome of legalism upon us because we put this standard on us that neither we nor our forefathers could bear and then we find you know three weeks into the year or less that we never were able to do what we put ahead of ahead of us you know Uh, hence this punch that I've got going on that's been with me you know since I was about 12 years old so watch out Russell it's coming for you it's in the jeans buddy (laughs) and so what we have though are some really good aspirations for us as New Testament Christians some imperatives that are given to us things that ought to be the mark of our lives and yet This call to action is not separated from the grace of God that tells us why we should be doing it and how we should be doing it. So it's very hopeful for us as Christians this year going into 2019. And so as we go into verse one of the chapter, it says, but as for you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine." So uh, we just read chapter 1 where the Cretans were these wicked men. They've got all kinds of false prophets preaching false things. They have a little bit of, uh, of Jewish background. They were of the circumcision and they were preaching false doctrines, the doctrines of salvation by works. They were in it for gain. They were subverting households. And so there's a contrast between the Cretan false teachers and Paul, and Titus, and then the elders that Titus was to appoint in every city, that their message should be speaking sound things. And just in my writing of chapter 1 and 2 today, this morning early, I I circled the word sound twice in these two chapters. There's something about being healthy in our doctrine, and healthy in our belief, and healthy in uh, what we speak. Sound is what that speaks of. We ought to speak what is sound. And so pray for me as I am the regular teacher here. Pray for the elders that we would continually toe that line of sound speech with sound, healthy doctrine. Uh, The good paraphrase, the Living Bible, translates this verse, speak up for the right living that goes along with true Christianity. Because the Cretans were speaking of, of horrible living that goes with false doctrine. And so the contrast was, hey, we got to be speaking about right living that goes along with true Christianity. The New Living Translation says, promote the kind of living that reflects right teaching. And so what are those things? What is the right teaching? What should we be teaching? And uh, I love that it makes it easy for me as a pastor, because if you just read on, it says, well, teach every demographic in the church teach the old men i'm not going to point out you know who you are okay but good news is there's something for you here today and old women i dare not right (laughs) tithe drops dramatically on those sunday sermons um and uh and the young women you're addressed here today which of course is every woman in the room right and then, uh, and then the young men. So you've got old and, and new. You've got uh, male and female. The Bible isn't biased uh, to gender or to age or, of course, social status. A few categories of the population dem- demographic are addressed here. Let me read what David Platt wrote about this section we're getting into. It's perfectly clear that the cultural engineers that dominate the media our educational system, from the preschools to the university, and other strategic places of influence want to neutralize, if not eliminate, the gender distinctions and differences God has hardwired into human beings. This is the consistent drumbeat heard again and again, and unfortunately the church has not been immune to the cadence so we live in a day and age, and, and it's just at the forefront of many of our conversations, isn't it? That all of a sudden gender doesn't matter. Gender's a relative thing. Uh, we are tossing out the Bible that says in the beginning God made them male and female. And he identifies us as such. Uh, doesn't mean that there's not struggles in life, that there can be sympathy and working through these difficult, uh, you know, these difficult situations with the gospel and with hope. And yet there's truth that needs to be towed as Christians, that there are genders, male and female, and that those genders have specific roles within civilization and within a family and within a local church. And so Paul just lays it out straightforward to us, those, that there are these gender distinctions with these role differences, and he's going to lay it out uh, for us today. And so first of all, let's get into it for the older men as we go into 2019. Here's a good word, dare I say for us, <laughs> 37, you know. Um, anyways, the older men, the old man in the singular. You know, you got to love that, that the Bible distinguishes that there are older men. That's, that's a beautiful thing, actually. It's nothing to be ashamed of you know as we do celebrate birthday after birthday after birthday as we say you know i just had my 75th christmas you know man i remember back when and and the 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 hair is getting a little more silver over the years Man, what a wonderful thing to actually celebrate leviticus chapter 19 32 tells us that you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your god but we've lost that as a culture haven't we man w- something of respect for experience uh, to stand and to shake hand and to say sir and, and all of those wonderful things that that even the law says this is good and it's right and it's and it's right in line with fearing the lord job tells us that wisdom is with the aged men And with the length of days comes understanding. And so these older men and their silver hair, you know, it speaks of their wisdom and their experience. I like what Proverbs says in 1631, that the silver haired head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. So, So there's these wonderful, silver-haired, crowned men, even in our midst here at uh, Calvary Chapel. And yet, Titus is told to teach those guys. Titus is told to teach those guys, which tells us that this is something that is not just learned uh, by accident. These are things that even old men need to be taught. And you've heard me mention a man named Harry McKay from my Corvallis life. Harry McKay at the time was a 93-year-old man who went to Calvary Chapel Corvallis and he filled out a visitor card, though he wasn't a visitor. But he marked down on the on the card, uh, I am interested in being discipled. And here was a guy, if you know knew his story, he'd been saved since pre-World War II. He was a guy that was ministering to people at uh, Hiroshima after the atomic bomb was dropped this was a guy that had been a disciple for many years and yet he realized the benefit of still being a disciple being discipled being taught by somebody how to walk with the Lord more closely and so as we get into this encouragement for older men you might think you've got it all figured out but the word of God to Titus would say you've still got some things to learn. Still got some things to learn, all right? And the first thing is, hey, guys, be sober. These are imperatives. They're commands. Just do it. Just be it, okay? As you get older, it's so important that you are sober. That with your age comes temperance and being restrained peter would mention it as girding up the loins of your mind and being sober to be serious and watchful in your prayers so be sober be reverent something that's a little bit lost in our american culture is as we've been part of this movement to kind of walk away from religion, and and to wave the banner of, I'm not religious, I just have a relationship with Jesus, man, I've waved that banner so much, and then just in more studying, I just realized that religion is only a bad thing if it's superficially on the external, if it's just an act of hypocrisy, but biblically, being pious and being religious is a mark of an internal change in our life that we are serious about relationship with Jesus. And for the older men in our church, could I just encourage you to lead the battle for us, to lead the charge in being reverent? Of course, we're not interested in some superficial external religiosity, but we're interested in the older men of our body walking closely with Jesus. And as you walk closely with Jesus, the out. The outernal flow of your life will be one of piety and beautiful religion walking closely with our God. So be reverent, be honorable and dignified. It speaks of being worthy of respect. Be temperate. Speaks of being self-controlled and moderate in temper. Even I myself need to follow somebody like that. I need to learn from somebody how to respond in certain situations and to observe you in those tough times, how temperate you are, how sober you are in those tough moments. Old man, be sound in the faith. Know what you believe and why you believe it and back it up with the Bible. Be accurate in what can be believed about Jesus. As you're old, it's not time to check out. It's not time to put your Bible on a shelf. If anything, it's time to press in even more so you can help us young guys tow that good deposit that's been entrusted to us of the Word of God. So press in even deeper. Be a disciple. Know what you believe. Be sound in the faith. Be sound in love. We want loving old men around us. Be Loving. We've seen enough of the old codgers of our day. We've seen enough of the bitter old guys that are bittered by life and they think they've got it all figured out and everyone else is messed up and no one will hear from them. And so they just isolate themselves from the population that needs them so very badly. Get in community with us, young guys. We need you. We need your love. We need you to show us how to love. In the Greek, it's agape love which speaks of unconditionally us young guys man we think there's conditions to our love well he did that or they they did this and it only goes so far as they do this and the old man can speak up and speak agape to us to be patient steadfast in endurance there's a reason you have that gray hair because you never gave up you've been patient Day after day, after week after week, after month after month, after year after year, you've kept on keeping on. And you're here with us today. Continue with us steadfastly. Did you guys hear this week about Richard Overton, who was the nation's oldest man who passed away 112 years old? A uh, World War II vet Uh, was at Pearl Harbor, fought at Iwo Jima and Guam and Okinawa. You know me, man, that's what my heroes are made of, you know, aside from Christian missionaries and martyrs of the faith. I love that World War II generation. Love that guy. I even loved his story. Even though in the story, kind of what I read article after article after article, I was like, there's got to be articles that tell more of this guy's life. But mainly what I heard of him was he was a guy that drank a lot of whiskey and smoked 12 cigars a day since he was nine years old. That was one of his secrets to a long life, okay? Now, notwithstanding, we're not even getting into a teaching on drinking whiskey here today. Although when D.L. Moody chastised Spurgeon for smoking cigars, Spurgeon said, well, I only do it in moderation, to which Moody said, well, what is moderation? And Spurgeon said, I'd say no more than two at a time. (coughs) So, you know, maybe Richard Overton's got something there. But President Obama invited him to a special uh, ceremony where he introduced this old man, this old veteran, and he said that uh, here's a guy that attends church multiple times a week and drives the women of his neighborhood there, the widows of his neighborhood in his 71 Ford pickup truck, you know. (laughs) And uh, so you got to love some of those things. There's some legacy there. And, and I don't know much more about him than that. I can't really make a great character observation. But, but I do love the old people. I love the old guys. I love the veterans. And I hope, old men, that there's more to your legacy than just that. Maybe I would be able to do your eulogy someday. Or you could do mine. Whoever goes first, right? But in the eulogy, I would love to tell the testimony of your deep and passionate love for Jesus, that you were a guy that lived soberly, that you were a guy that was full of agape love, that was so patient, that you were a guy that was temperate in all things, and you knew what you believed. And as an old man, you weren't afraid to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, even in your late 90s. Let's do it, huh, men? Let's do it. My grandpa Khan was one of those guys. My grandpa Khan was of the greatest generation. I talk about him all the time. One of my heroes, World War II, B-17 pilot, 32 missions when uh, only 10% survived the missions. He survived. He was one of um, Maurer's maulers is what they called him. Uh, The the lucky, uh, forgive me, the the lucky B word club, you know, Um, that's what they called these guys. You make it through the mission, these missions, that's what we'll call you. Uh, Flew on D-Day over Omaha Beach, you know, uh, just a a hero of my life. But over the course of the decades as they went by, he had macular degeneration, lost his eyesight, but he wanted to read his Bible. And so we bought him, I shouldn't say we, my wealthy aunts and uncles bought him this giant like 3D thing that fit over his head and had a, a remote control that you could zoom way in on stuff. And we got him this so that he could read his large print Bible, you know? And he would sit there, and he had the shakes really his whole life, even when he was in the war. He, just going to bomb a couple cities here, <laughs> you know? He actually got the Pickle Barrel Award for most accurate bombing. I don't know how he did it, but, but you know, he'd grab this control, and, and he'd be there in the living room, and he always, he always sat with his legs crossed tightly, you know, the way that we don't know if men should sit that way, but he didn't mind. He's like, What? You know, he also smoked since his teenage years. And when he was later on in life, he was on oxygen and the nurses were like, don't smoke while you're on oxygen in your house. He's baloney. We used to drop bombs on Germany and take a drag on our oxygen and a drag on our cigarette just to get the nerves to calm down. You know, so so here's this guy, you know, he's got his camels, he's got his giant thing and he's just reading the Bible, you know, something of a Titus two man. Dr. Fletcher farley Khan, love that guy. <clears throat> Platt says, The Titus II older man is wise in his decision-making and careful when making judgments. While not a prude or a Pharisee, he takes no delight in inappropriate off-color humor, vulgarity, or anything else that is suspect, questionable, or clearly out of bounds. He himself is worthy of honor and respect, particularly by younger men, because of the purity and integrity of his life now the older women and there's the word likewise there the older women likewise verse 3 that they be reverent in behavior not slanderers not given to much wine teachers of good things and so they're to be also religious in behavior not slanderers the word slanderer speaks of devilish it's diabolos or diabolos and it's where we get our English word devil, who is a slanderer from the beginning, the Bible tells us. 34 times in the New Testament, our archenemy is called the slanderer. And so older women, man, you know how it is. You've got more time on your hands, you're hanging out with the other gals, and it's so quickly in conversation to just move towards slandering. And hey, I'm—you know, it takes one to know one, really. I've been there. Not as an old woman, but, you know. think <laughs> You're following me, sort of. Luckily for the older women, they have the same language used for them as used for deacons' wives in First Timothy chapter three. They also are not to be given to much wine. It doesn't say no wine, but much wine. And it, it's a very strong word that speaks of being reduced to a slave to a great amount of wine. Cretans were known as a culture to be heavy drinkers of wine and that was a virtue for them but i think one of the most special things about the old woman that's told here is that she is to be a teacher of good things old women are to be good teachers and so in those informal one-on-one or small group instruction times the older more mature women are to pass on to their younger spiritual sisters how wonderful that we have a grandma barb in our group You guys no grandma barb grandma barb just honor you today stopped by my house yesterday on a whim just came by and she's my grandma barb you know just k- kiss her and hug her and come on in stop by anytime and and you know she she often comes up in our conversations because you know as an elderly woman she is not sitting back waiting for time to go by to just get out and get to paradise she is using every ounce of her strength to make disciples in this church. She's an example of a Titus II woman. I honor you, Grandma. But you know, Elizabeth Elliot, you guys know Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, her husband martyred by the Alka Indians back in 1953 or 54. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, when she was looking at the culture of women, she asked the question, where are all the watts? Where are all the watts? Where are all the what's? No, the watts. The women of Titus 2. Where are all the women of Titus 2? Where are all these women who should be teaching other women? What's going on? Guthrie says, within this sphere, experienced Christian women have throughout the history of the church performed invaluable service in the cause of Christ by their example and teaching. So women, it's not too late for you to be a what- a woman of Titus 2, okay? And then the young women. So what and who did the older women teach? They teach the young women. I like that in the Greek, it's the new women. The new women. The young women. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands. How interesting that it's the only place in the New Testament where we see that women are told, you need to love your husband. What does it say in the other texts, Colossians 3 or Ephesians chapter 5? Submit, right? Don't worry, you still get that here in Titus chapter 2. But it's said here, hey, love him. Love him. Older women, you've been there. You've been there where it's times it's hard to love your husband. I mean, not us, but some of you, you know. And the older women can just speak the, the oh honeys. You know, you know what I mean? Like, oh honey, or the oh dear, oh dear, you know. Let me tell you about a story of my life. You know, I remember when we didn't go on a honeymoon and we could never get away for a family vacation, but, but my husband would take a month off for elk hunting with his dad and his brothers. And, and so honey, let me just tell you about just loving, you know, this is all hypothetical, <laughs> making, making stuff up on the fly from the pulpit (laughs) women be (laughs) philanthropic to your husbands philandros love them the fact is we don't so much fall in love as we learn to love love is a choice and what a great thing you know I had three good sources this week four good sources and compiling it all before service this morning forgive me with Platt again what a great thing it is for daughters to learn how to love their future husbands by watching their mother love their dad and then love your children that's pretty natural thing isn't it to love your children Um, but there's those times where you need to be told just love them oh honey just love them we had those discussions this week where we're like i'm not gonna say which one (laughs) but we go in straight crazy at the rogers house you know and you know to just we need some help we need some older women to just be like hey you know let me speak encouragement can I add that let it be encouraging sometimes we get the like you look like you about to die you know Um, yeah I know but where's the good stuff bring me some good stuff okay not only that so natural to love our children but We've got to move beyond, and I speak to mothers, mothers must move beyond natural innate affection to a specific lifestyle and plan of action that will cultivate a love for Jesus in their children. So to be encouraged by the older women to make disciples of their children. These young women are need to be taught to be discreet. That speaks of prudent and wise and self-controlled. In fact, self-controlled is really passed from demographic to demographic to be moderate to be chaste older women speak purity into the younger women you know have some idea and learn older gals learn about culture learn about times learn about style okay don't just throw amish dresses on all of our women this day these days you know we got a bunch of quakers at calvary chapel but but speak Moderation, propriety, and wisdom for purity into the lives of our younger women. Ready for some controversy? (coughs) Teach them to be homemakers. Moving right on to the next one. (laughs) Speaks of being busy at home. You know the Proverbs thirty one woman is that virtuous wife that we would all love to have. Some of us have her. Have we do for sure? One hundred percent. And this woman, oh, this woman, you'll notice in Proverbs thirty one, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. And if you look at her, she's she's got her hand in all sorts of things. It doesn't mean that she only stayed at home, only cooked clean and took care of the kids. She was also a businesswoman. She's down at the marketplace. She's selling things, okay? But she has a significant presence around the home. She has a significant role. She is busy at the home. Guthrie says a question arises about the correct reading of this word. One reading is, uh, certain Greek word, I'm not going to bug you with it, <coughs> which has a sense of keeping at home, but the alternate which is better supported is oikorogos, which denotes workers at home. And the NIV follows it to translate it busy at home. RSV says domestically at home. So this word is extremely rare and its exact connotation is uncertain. In any case, the apostle merely underscores what he has stated in principle in the previous verse that a young married woman's sphere is the home. So I would just encourage you as this new year comes to be teaching the younger women, older women, and younger women prayerfully consider, have you been at home? Okay, it doesn't mean don't work. Some of us, we are in situations by accident or by our own dilemma that has caused us to where we have to work to survive you should pray through that but pray through what wisdom is in your home to spend more time at home with the kids discipling the kids and helping take care and support your husband that's all i got for that one uh older women teach younger women to be good just could you be good (laughs) just be good be generous is what it speaks of be obedient to your own husband and so it goes from loving the husbands to being obedient to the husbands the greek word speaks of being subject and just falling in line to being in the right order to be a subordinate and to bring under control of your own unique husband now as we've spoken at the beginning of today that God has created the genders. He's created their differences. There are male and there are female. When you read the creation account and it's reflected throughout scripture, the man is not more valuable than the woman in any way, shape or form. The woman is also created in the image of God and is useful for so many incredible things. But the man's role is not the woman's role and the woman's role is not the man's role. So there's equality of value and worth before the Lord and before our eyes as well here at Calvary and in the Bible. But there is difference in function and role and job description. And just as within the Trinity, you have three persons within one Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have the Son who says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done as he defers to the father. Then you have the Holy Spirit who says, I come and my job is to testify of the son. And so they're all God. They all, there's one God, three persons. It's called the Trinity. It's a doctrine of orthodox Christianity, but there's distinction of role and function uh, within our Godhead that we have, that we worship within Christendom. It's the same within the home equality of value and worth distinction of role and so the older women are to teach the younger women that probably needed more than ever in 2019 america coming you know through the wake of the women's liberation movement to speak yes there's wonderful freedom as a woman yes there's wonderful opportunities yes lots of good things that came from that but there's also order that god's created that we don't want to step out of It's important that we are submissive to our husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So what's at stake here? When we step out of proper design roles, when we say God was wrong about this one and I'm just going to go ahead and usurp myself, God's word is blasphemed. A reproach is put upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so as part of our missionary movement as Christians, We want to walk in our roles, and it will keep dignity where dignity is due to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Woo, happy new year, huh? Like, domestic job roles and submission roles. So, uh, okay, young men. By the way, if you've never heard this teaching before, go on to our Ephesians chapter six gospel family series. We go through that teaching in depth to help bring some clarity to it. Verse six, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded. Okay, so the young men are to be taught. They need to be implored and encouraged to be sane, sensible, level-headed young men. Yet we live in a culture where our men are not sober minded. They're not living a life of sobriety, for one thing, not only with alcohol or drugs, but with the entertainment, But we live in a day and age where we have so many things being thrown at us to kind of get us mentally out of whack, playing some video games with Russell, you know, over Christmas break here, and you're just like, man, you come out of a video game session with your son, and you're like, you know, and you lay down in bed, and and uh, can I be honest with you? I got the farm simulator game. And um, I am I am cultivating so much wheat right now <laughs> and breeding so many cattle that I've got to get to market. It's like I'm living it in my dreams at night after I go to bed, you know? And it's like, okay, let's step back a little bit and uh, let's get back to reality and let's be level-headed about things. But So not only is it substance abuse, but, man, it can be that it's called the new cocaine with all the devices and the entertainment that we have. And we just escape from reality when we need to be in reality. We need to be level-headed as men, as men who are helping keep the line in the battle for the kingdom of God. In everything, we're to show ourselves as young men. So, by the way, young men, I hope you've perked up now because this is for you. You're like, old women, young women, yeah young men listen up okay because for you in everything you're to be a pattern of what good works should be looking like there should be examples of beautiful deeds coming off of your life john chrysostom the golden tongue preacher from antioch in the third century said let the luster of your life be a common school of instruction a pattern of virtue to all So whatever you're doing, whatever line of work you're in, the luster of your life can be an education of the gospel for the people that are around you. Isn't that exciting? You'd be heralding the gospel with your lifestyle at work. Uh, So uh, as we go on, the uh, reverence and the dignity uh, in doctrine showing integrity. So know what you believe and why you believe it, young men. Have integrity in in what you believe. Be able to back it up with the Bible. Have reverence, that propriety that we've spoken of, that dignified seriousness and incorruptibility. Verse eight, sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who's an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of, of you. So again, the sound speech where we would have a healthy, accurate message of the gospel to give and there will be times when the opponents come after you but when you're able to back it up by the book with proper rules of interpretation of the scripture those who are critical of you would be able to say you know what he's got some pretty good points from the bible i gotta give him that that when people come to oppose you they will actually respect you and have regard for you because you're coming from the authority of the scripture they would actually have nothing evil to say of you which is a theme of the book of first peter In first peter man when you're suffering for all kinds of things blessed are you provided that you're suffering because of the message of the gospel and not because you're an idiot okay you know if you're suffering because of all the crimes you're committing and all the dumb things you're doing like hey sorry that's on you but if you're going to suffer for the sake of the gospel which is a glorious and wonderful thing Live such a life of integrity that those that are accusing you, they'll be actually ashamed because of their accusations. I like what uh, Brian Chappelle says. There should be a multiplication of silencers as the godly influence of Titus spreads among the young men and helps to heal the embattled church. I think that's a word for us in 2019 as there are so many scoffers of Christian churches today that we would be able to go forth, young men, with the example of Titus, and we would be silencers in the community. That all of the naysayers uh, against Christ, against his word, against the gospel, they would look at your life and they'd say, not only is it the DJ's life, you know, and the Jason Woody's life, and the Clay McCarty's life, not only is it the Fred Genovese's lives that we're looking at, it's all throughout, and the way that they are living is ornamenting the gospel to me, And my mouth has to be silent with all my critiques. In fact, I'm actually interested in the gospel now because of it. And so when you think about billions of people on this planet who've never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you think about those that live in our societies that are overcome by bondage and addiction, that are depressed, that are under moral trauma that are under um, even you think of the veterans and all the trauma that they go through coming back when you think of the abuse within the homes and within the schools when you look at the darkness that just spread across our world take heart and be encouraged coming into 2019 because there's a role for you to lovingly bring transformation and light to these people there's not an old man old woman young man young girl in our church that doesn't have a wonderful role of bringing light to this community. Isn't that exciting? There are people that you can touch. There are people that you can have a role of mentorship in. Going on in verse 9, and wrapping up here soon. Bond servants. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. We studied it in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We studied it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The horrific stain of slavery on civilization since time began still is happening today in horrific ways. Only relief brought in the last hundred years or so in our country. Wherever the gospel is spread, slavery is loosed and, and people have freedom. And yet even in the midst of people who are Christians being enslaved, the, the Scriptures don't say to revolt, but rather to live a life in your slavery that's going to be a testimony to your masters. And so, for the sake of time and not being able to get into all that the slavery meant in Crete and in Titus 's day, we'll bring it to modern day application for you in your job situation, you employees with your employers. Great practical advice going into 2019 that you would be obedient to your masters. You have a role at your job place, and it is one of subordination. It is one of submission. We all have roles wherever God's put us, and at your workplace, you are a subordinate. So you're to obey your master. You're to be well-pleasing in everything, in every kind of thing. How you respond in situations and your work ethic should be a sweet-smelling aroma to your employer. Nobody's convicted here this morning, right? You're all good to go? Yep? Okay, perfect. I love all the I'm self-employeds going on out there right now. Yeah, you're better than everybody else. Okay. <clears throat> Not answering back. Not a back talker. Not mouthing off. Boy, we've seen it, haven't we? You guys seen some mouthing off at your workplace ever in your entire life? It's ugly, isn't it? Shouldn't be happening within the Christian disciple. Shouldn't be happening. Verse 10, not pilfering, amen. You don't know what that means. Don't say amen. I had to look it up. Not stealing, not embezzling, skimming funds in any way, shape, or form, even on your time card. 2019, these are great goals, right? Showing all good fidelity, Be an honest, trustworthy person so that you could adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. You see, at the end of the day, all of these practical outworkings of our lives testify the gospel to people. And so as you're a good employer, the the point of it is that you would adorn the gospel to your bosses, to your coworkers. You're claiming to be a Christian. How are you living? What are they seeing in your life? You want to adorn the gospel. Now, the gospel is already beautiful, amen? Were not these Christmas trees beautiful out in the forest before Papanah cut them down? (laughs) Like, well, I guess they're cut down. You can haul them into the church. Yeah, we could put some lights on them. But they were already beautiful. And then we ornamented them. We adorned them. We beautified them, all right? Many of our our wives, they adorn themselves, the language in the scriptures. They beautify themselves. Something already beautiful adorned. The gospel is adorned by your work at the workplace. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Hang a little little ornament on it, on the gospel, when you go to work tomorrow, even on a Monday. Come on up, worship team. And we'll probably spend more time in this text, but I want to read it. So that we have proper motivation going into 2019. So you got all this stuff, right? You've got, uh, but you, Titus, speak those things which accord with sound doctrine, okay? Sound speech. Well, what am I supposed to speak? Well, you're to exhort old men, okay, in their life, old women in their life. Old women are to teach, young women, young men are to be taught, bond servants have a lifestyle that will reflect Christ and ornament the gospel. So in and of itself, what I may have just done there for you all is put a big trip on you. And essentially what I've done so far this morning is do better, okay? Be good, all right? Now, have a good day. But that is inconsistent with the Bible. Wherever you have the be goods, do betters in the Bible, it's always hand in hand with, and actually it always follows or is in line with, check out the grace of God and how awesome it is. Check out God's heart for mankind. Check out God's pursuit of you. Check out how God functions in roles and created order check out how he laid down his rights and his privilege so that others could be benefited so that the gospel could be adorned check out the grace of god and if the grace of god is as beautiful as we would all say that it is that god in christ jesus came to this earth and died to save sinners of whom i am the chief And feel free to argue with me because you know yourself. No, I'm the chief. No, I'm the chief. Okay, you, but then me. Okay, we're wicked and we needed a savior. And Jesus came to save us and to set us free and to give us a new life that accords with godliness as we read in verse one of chapter one of Titus. And so we cannot just divorce moralism from the gospel. A lot of moralists are going to hell. Okay, we don't preach moralism here at Calvary Chapel. We preach the gospel, which accords with godliness. Good preaching of the gospel leads us to right living for the gospel. And so here we have, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's a beautiful thing. In fact, that's kind of a Christmas message in and of itself grace of god that's appeared to all men that's christmas jesus christ the baby boy came to bring salvation to all men and as he did and as this grace has come it has taught us something look at verse 12 what has it taught us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age Grace of God brings salvation. Praise God. By his grace, I'm saved. Old men live like this. Old women live like this. Young women live like this. Young men live like this. Employees or bond servants, even if you're in the worst slave situation, live like this. Goes on to say, live godly in this present age at the end of verse 12. You guys ready to play? Okay, just hold on a second, okay? (laughs) In all of this, we're to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about him for a second. He gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, Zealous and crazy for good works. Remember that, old men. Remember that as you are sober. Remember Jesus as you're sober. Temperate, sound in the faith, loving. Remember Jesus. Remember that, old women, as you're reverent in behavior and you've stopped your mouth from slandering others around you. And you're not given over to wine. Remember Jesus who gave himself as you go out to teach young women. And young women, as you go out to be taught, remember Christ. As you learn to be discreet and pure. And and maybe the Lord would turn the volume up on your domestic role within your home. Remember it, young men, as you walk in purity and self-control and reverence living a life that's an example. Remember Christ and how he gave himself to redeem you from every lawless deed. As you go to Monday morning, you workers, and you live a life that ornaments the gospel, remember Christ. Amen? Some New Year's resolutions for us. We each have our task. Let's stand together.